The question was asked, how do I know when my desire for love has changed into a need for love? That is an excellent question. I'm going to deal with that today in the podcast. The title of the podcast is His Needs, Her Needs Aren't Real Needs. Kind of on a roll here. The last podcast was His Money, Her Money. Makes no biblical sense. And so we'll go with his needs, her needs. Now, if you want to read this podcast, go to our website, rickthomas.net. There's a complete transcript there, 2,000-plus words. You can read it. You can share it. You can use it with your friends, your spouse, your small group, your pastor, your local church, anyone you like. That would be fantastic if you want to read it or just listen to it now. This is Rick Thomas, and I am so glad that you are here listening to the podcast, Your Daily Drive, where I put my articles in podcast format. I want to jump into this article quickly. His needs, her needs aren't real needs, but I want to share a couple of notes that I received in the last couple of days. Tim sent in a note. He said, thank you for your case studies. I use them in my Wednesday night evening Bible study. It has brought out Great discussion and challenge some people in their thought processes. It has been a great tool to help people think biblically. Thanks again. It has been great. I think he used great two or three times there. Thank you. I'm glad they were great. I just finished a uh, series of 48 case studies. These are actually the case studies that I put in my Mastermind program. Our Mastermind students, our biblical counseling training uh, course, our students have to do 48 case studies over the two-year span of the program, and all of those case studies are now on the website, and you can read them yourself. Well, what Tim has done, I didn't know this until he sent me this email. Tim, thank you for sending me the email and letting me know. I love to hear how people are using the resources uh, that our team produces for this ministry. And so, Tim, thank you that you're using them in your Wednesday night study and I may have said at one time or another, if I hadn't, Tim has reminded me that uh, these would be excellent small group discussions. Break out one of these case studies, and as he said, it's challenged people with their thought processes, and that is wonderful. And then I received another note uh, today from Angelina. She says, so many times I'm wrestling with how to express what I'm thinking, and, and along comes one of your posts that puts the words to my thoughts. And then she continues to talk a little bit about the actual article that uh, she was referring to. Uh, the, the article is, uh, Our Nation is Not More Divided Today. And uh, I make a case for that in that article. But thank you, Angelina, for your kind note that you sent and how God is orchestrating our lives, our content with what you are thinking about. And then Vina, or Dolores, I'm not sure which name she uses, but Vina said, I agree with Angelina. Just so you know, I read most of your posts and benefit from them. Also, I share some of them with, my, uh, with some of my family. And then Vina says, I hope that is all right. Thank you for the work you do. Well, Vina, uh, it's all right. It's really all right. I want you to share uh, our resources with 1,000 of your closest friends. Don't hold back. Be bold. Every time there's something posted on Facebook or sent to your inbox, please share it with your friends. Don't ask me about it. Just go ahead and do it because 
that way you become somewhat of a, an evangelist, that you're taking the content and you're helping us spread it around the world. And that that is how it happens. I often say uh, when I talk to folks that this is a partnership. We are working together. This is not a, a one-man show or it's just not our team working together. It is our team plus you. And so, Vina, thank you so much for sharing our content. Please continue to do that. Don't stop. Thank you so much, Angelina, Vina, and Tim for sending in your encouraging notes. His needs, her needs aren't real needs. And so the question is, the one that was put to me, how do I know when my desire for love has changed into a need for love? Well, I would tell you to start with anger. Anger is the quickest and easiest way to discern if your craving for love has jumped from a desire to a need. Let's talk about it. Remember, please remember, it's not necessarily wrong to desire something. Don't cut out your desires. Don't stop desiring. But when a desire goes bad, which is what we're talking about here, you're in trouble. One of the ways you will know if your desire has gone wrong is when you get sinfully angry if you don't get what you desire. That's why I said, let's start with anger. If you're asking me, and you are, how do I know when my desire for love has changed into a need for love, meaning I have to have it, no exceptions, you better give me what I want, etc.? Well, let's start with anger. It's not wrong to desire, but a desire gone bad, you are in trouble, and you will know when you're in trouble if you are sinfully angry if you don't get what you want. This concept applies to any desire you may have. I want to illustrate this idea of a desire going bad by using the formulaic teaching of Paul Tripp. I heard him say this in a conference a long time ago. Don't remember where, but it stuck with me, and it's helped me to think through my own desires when they go bad, which, by the way, has happened on many occasions. And so he gives us this five-step process, and it's a downward spiral, by the way. And so I will give it to you. And by the way, again, if you want to read this and get all this information, just go to rickthomas.net, type in his needs, her needs, and this article will pop up for you. And you can read all this just in case you're driving or jogging right now and you can't write it down. But here is the five-step a downward spiral of a desire that goes bad and what happens. Step number one is desire. Here's a sentence that you can put with it. The sentence says to, let's say your spouse or to a friend, you should do fill in the blank for me. That's a desire. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily. Nothing has to be wrong with that. It's just a simple desire. You should do, and then whatever that is, for me. Step number two, we're going down now. The desire morphs into a need. A need sounds different. It says you will do such and such for me. Now, there is a difference between you should and you will and that's how I'm describing the difference between a desire and a need. Number three, the next thing that's going to happen, because once it morphs from a desire to a need, the next thing that's going to happen is an expectation. I expect you to do blank for 
me. And once you set up that expectation that they must do this and there are no alternatives, well, the fourth thing that's going to happen is disappointment. You have a desire that turns into a need, a need that sets you up for an expectation, and that expectation will be followed up by a disappointment because nobody can meet all of your expectations. Disappointment sounds like this. You didn't do blank for me. I'm expressing my disappointment now. And then the last thing in this downward spiral is punishment. Desire, need, expectation, disappointment, and punishment. Punishment sounds like this. You didn't do blank for me. Therefore, I am going to make you pay in some way. Let me give you a case study of a desire that has gone bad. I want to bring my old friends up here in this fictional case study, Biff and Mabel. Mabel married Biff 21 years ago. She desires that he love her in a particular way. This desire is a good, typical, and expected desire. Nothing wrong with a wife wanting her husband to love her in a particular way. The problem is that Biff is self-absorbed. Mabel didn't know this while they were dating, Biff did all the right things as far as demonstrating his love to her. She was convinced of his love and knew she had found the right guy. Unfortunately, Mabel had her own selfish, empty love cup agenda. When Biff brought her flowers, wrote her letters, and took her to fabulous dinners during the dating relationship, it all seemed right and exactly what she craved. Unfortunately, Mabel was self-deceived in that her undisclosed craving was that she believed she needed and deserved a person who would give her a future according to her expectations. Mabel lived in an idealistic and romanticized world of her own making. She also had a weak understanding of the doctrines of, doctrines of sin, harmoniology, and man— anthropology. She was not spiritually prepared for real life in a real marriage with a real sinner. She was selfish too. She was also an idolater. Though she masked the idolatry behind an expected desire for love. And this is where it can be so confusing to us because we can look at our desire and say, my desire is not bad. But a desire that goes bad, as we're going to look further down in this podcast, it is idolatry. Let me explain. None of this was discernible, because rarely does anyone look beyond the surface of their lives to ask the right questions about what is going on in the heart. Biff was selfishly conquering his girlfriend. Ladies, if you are dating a guy, remember that this is a possibility. We are on a conquest. And so Bill, Biff was conquering his girlfriend, and Mabel was wrongly allowing him to capture her, and it all went well. Until Biff finished catching his prey and slowly turned to other things. After he bagged his wife, he was off to, a, to vocational pursuits and hobbies. Mabel was left quietly desiring while stewing over her losses. 
The truth is, Mabel had redefined love to a need. As I said earlier, when a desire morphs into a need, you're probably heading to a bad place, and that is when things went very wrong in her heart. Now, note the regression. I want to use the same labels that I mentioned earlier, but fill it in with this case study. Desire, need, expectation, disappointment, and punishment. Here's how it goes. Number one, desire. Mabel had a legitimate desire for love. I cannot overstate that. The desire was not bad. We all should get married with a desire to be loved by our spouses. Number two, Need. Somewhere along the way, her desire for love morphed into an insatiable need. Number three, expectation. Because she had redefined love from desire to need, there was an expectation placed on Biff's behavior. Number four, disappointment. Though she did not know it, she set herself up for disappointment. There is no human, no matter how hard. Now, I'm not letting Biff off the hook here, okay? But I have to qualify. There is no human, no matter how hard they try, able to perform adequately for another person. We're all sinners on our best day. Unfortunately, Biff was a jerk and never sought to love Christ. Mabel was more concerned about what she was not getting and responded to Biff's sin with her sin. Went from desire, need, expectation, disappointment, and this is how Mabel responded. Number five, punishment. Her self-inflicted disappointment turned into retaliation. She punished Biff for her anger as well as other ways that she punished him. Both Biff and Mabel were idolaters in their unique ways. It is complicated. And if you are discipling somebody or a couple in a situation like this, you've got to be so compassionate, so understanding, so careful. Biff didn't care for Mabel, and Mabel was hurt because she was not getting what she believed she deserved. The big quote-unquote, need in their lives was mutual repentance. That is what should have happened. Both of them should have repented. But they were not about to live out that kind of humility when we met at our first counseling session. They said they loved each other. But after spending a few minutes with them in counseling, it was apparent that they did not. Biff loved Biff, and Mabel loved her desire for love. They were bitter and angry at each other. The good news was that after 21 years of marriage, they decided it was time to get some help. And that is good news. They decided. Unfortunately and sadly, in too many cases, only one person out of the two decides. In the midst of a lot of bad decisions, going to counseling was one of the bright spots in their marriage. Mabel, in counseling, complained that Biff had not been meeting her expectations, though she did not say it exactly that way. What she said was that Biff was lazy, passive, non-romantic, selfish, harsh, critical, and angry. She also said she was tired of being nice to him. 
when she shared over a then she shared over a dozen instances of Biff's selfishness to prove her point. When she finished, Biff was completely sunk down into his seat with a white towel surrender look on his face. He seemed defeated, disinterested, and disheartened. I wondered to myself how much anger was simmering just below the surface of Biff's facade. Later in the counseling, I found out that he had been angry and disappointed in his wife for many years. Notice what's going on here. Biff was disappointed, and he was punishing his wife as well. Though he had been passive, lazy, and most of the other things she had mentioned, he added that her attitude also contributed to the problems in the marriage. And he was right. Though he was not saying that Mabel was to blame for his sin, that would be terribly wrong, he was saying that she did not help matters by her hostile attitude. And isn't that the way it is with two people stuck in dysfunction? I've never met a couple, including me and Lucia, by the way, where one person was completely innocent. And this is why you want to be super careful and compassionate when you start drawing these things out, especially a person who feels like they are 100% a victim and not culpable in any way with what's going, what has gone wrong in the marriage. One person completely innocent, while the other person completely guilty. Just admitting this can have a huge impact on any marriage, admitting that you are partially culpable. With over two decades of marriage under their belts, no one knew how the dysfunction began. And truthfully, for counseling, it did not matter who fired the first shot way back when. For Biff and Mabel, it seemed as though blaming each other was the only thing that mattered. They seemed more interested in validating their positions and winning their arguments rather than seeing things from God's perspective. As we say, there are three sides to every argument or problem in our marriage, my side, your side, and God's perspective. They spent most of their time blaming each other while affirming their rightness. That kind of I'm right, you're wrong sparring can nearly, had nearly in their situation, pushed God out of their marriage. Rather than spending time blaming each other, it would have been better if they self-assessed their culpability that contributed to the dysfunction of the marriage and then repent to God. Mabel seemed to believe, by her words and actions, that if she repeatedly reminded Biff of all his errors, he would change. FYI, rarely is anyone motivated to change by nagging, complaining, or accusing. It certainly is not how the Savior approached us in our sin. Romans 2.4 God's kindness leads to repentance. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved. Romans 5.8, God showed his love to us while we were still sinners. Any of us can look into our past and find reasons to support why we are disappointed with others. Every person can do that. Genuine Christian maturity is less interested in who did what Instead, choosing to be more interested in how to respond humbly to God and others. 
Biff and Mabel were more interested in being right than being humble, and in the process, they grew more angry, more bitter, and more unforgiving. There was a problem. In time, here's the solution, Mabel began to understand what she was doing to herself and her husband. She came to realize that while her desire for a great marriage, let me be redundant here, is a godly desire, but she also realized her method for acquiring a godly desire for her marriage stuck. Quite simply, she forgot the gospel. She forgot how God brought her to her to himself. There was no sighting of Calvary in their marriage. The Calvary was too far off. God did not bring Mabel to himself by being critical, harsh, angry, blaming, and unforgiving. The way the Father won the heart of Mabel to himself was through love, grace, mercy, kindness, patience, and above all else, forgiveness. When Babel was reminded of the gospel during our counseling together, God mercifully turned on the light for her. She got it. She understood the gospel. Or you could say that she re-understood the gospel. Rather than applying the gospel to her salvation, she began to apply the gospel to her sanctification. Though the gospel affected her the day God saved her from her sins, she was starting to understand how to apply the gospel to her everyday life, especially her marriage. Mabel realized that it was possible for her husband to change and that she could be part of his change process, but she needed to change first. She began to think about how God's kindness led to her repentance, Romans 2.4. She further realized that she was not modeling before her husband what the Savior had modeled for her. Mabel began to address her sin issues, and when she did, Mabel was initially discouraged because she was unaware at how much she had been sinning against her husband. By the way, as you listen to this podcast, you can flip these names around. Mabel can be Biff, and Biff can be Mabel. The more she went to God regarding her sin against her husband, the more she began to experience freedom from those sins that were previously controlling her. Mabel also came to understand that what she wanted in her marriage was not an evil desire and that she should not give up on her desire. But she knew that she could not sin when she did not get what she wanted. You can't do that. Reflectively, she saw that her marriage problems compounded when she began to sin in response to her husband's sin. As she said later, my desire was not wrong, but my attitude stuck. Mabel blamed Bill for what she could not have. She accused him of withholding the things she needed. The implication was that if Biff had acquiesced by giving her what she expected to get, she would have been happy again. What she did not understand at the time was that her desire for the relationship was robbing her of her happiness. The loss she was experiencing was her idolatry. She was mad because Biff took her idol away from her. I asked her to repeat after me, quote, I will be happy if blank, end quote. 
My question to Mabel was, what would make you happy? She quickly answered by saying that if Biff loved her the way she wanted to be loved, she would be happy. My friends, that is idolatry. The only right answer to the question, what would make you happy, is God. That was not the case for Mabel, which is why she had an idol lodged in her heart. Whatever you believe will make you happy is your God. If God's grace cannot trump your lost expectations, your expectations are greater than God's grace, and something has displaced God from the center of your life. Mabel repented to God and restored her relationship with Him. He became the centerpiece of her heart and mind, which played out in real, practical, and measurable ways. It, this was more than intellectual assent. The more Mabel humbled herself before God through repentance and began to pursue Bill, Biff, rather, the way Christ sought her lovingly, the more Biff began to change. In time, their marriage turned to a godly relationship, and God granted her the desire of her heart. Now, danger, danger. Some spouses will read this or listen to this and say, quote, I tried that. Or, quote, I've been doing that for years and it has not worked. Listen to those two statements. The primary goal is not to try something to get what you want. That's not the primary goal. The main aim is to change for the glory of God, regardless of any desired outcomes. I am profoundly sorry if your marriage is not what you want it to be. I have seen a thousand, a thousand of these marriages, and it is heartbreaking. I live on the front lines of dysfunctional marriages. I think I've seen it all. Let's just say I haven't been surprised in a few years. Marriage dysfunction is part of the reason why I do what I do. I wish I could change your marriage. I wish I could make it like Mabel and Biff, the way it turned out in the end. But I cannot any more than I can change my marriage. What I can do is change myself. And so my prayer for you and me is similar to the three boys just before the king tossed them into the fire. You know the story, Daniel 3, it goes like this, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from this burning, fiery marriage furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I wish your marriage could change. Some of them never will. And I realize this, and it is heartbreaking. Some of them occasionally do. The title of the podcast is His Needs, Her Needs, Aren't Real Needs. In the context of this podcast, talking about this marriage with Biff and Mabel, here are a few questions for you to think about in the call to action, the CTA. Number one, what does your disappointment reveal about your heart? 
Think about it. Disappointed in your marriage? Honestly, reflectively, transparently, humbly, what does it reveal about your heart? Dig deep. Be honest. Number two, are you encouraged that the Lord would pinpoint a need for you to change? Now, if you're not encouraged by that, if not, why not? But do you find encouragement that the Lord would care so much for you, love you in such a way that he would pinpoint something that you need to change in your heart? And then finally, number three, this is a counterintuitive thought. What if the Lord was using your marriage to sanctify you? How is it working? What do you need to do to find so much satisfaction in God that it drowns the sorrows of your marriage. This is a difficult and painful for many spouses, podcasts to listen to. His needs, her needs, aren't real needs in the context of this podcast and the case study of Bill and Mabel. If you are struggling with your marriage, you know that we cannot change your marriage. We would like to encourage you. We would love to give you some direction, some guidance. If you're open to that, come to rickthomas.net and get on our public forums if you're not a supporting member. If you are a supporting member of our ministry, get on the private forums and ask your questions. Let us come alongside you. We would love to do it. It would be a joy. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.